Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. Today, Pastor Paul continues his sermon series, Big Questions That Need Answers. And the question he's exploring today is, am I living the life that God wants? Let's listen in as he preaches and teaches about this big question. Uh, as always, I pray with anybody who will pray with me at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning. And I do that via Zoom. And so if you are interested in getting a Zoom link to pray with me at uh, 6 in the morning on Thursdays, text the word prayer to the number on the screen right now, and you will get that reminder early in the morning on Thursday. Speaking of prayer, we have a prayer coordinator who is Christine King and a prayer ministry in our church. Uh, Christine is looking for folks that would be interested in helping her plan events for prayer. We've done in the past a handful of like prayer and fasting times, um, just different emphases on prayer. And so if that's something that you would be interested in, in helping Christine plan, she is looking for, for uh, folks. You could talk to Christine or you could talk to us in the church office and be glad to get you connected there. I wanted to uh, just mention um, that my wife, Alyssa, is not here this weekend. She's away on a retreat. She is with Pastor Becca, who is also away on the same retreat, and uh, Tunisia Pennington. Uh, our district, once a year, does a retreat for women who are involved in ministry, either as ministers, like Pastor Becca, or as uh, wives of pastors. And so they are away on that retreat this weekend. And all of the families that are missing... Wives and moms say they come back in two hours. We think we can make it. We think we can make it. Um, we think we can make it. <laughs> we think we can make it. Uh, Pastor Ryan is not with us today. He's, uh, he's at home today. Hi, Pastor Ryan. We miss you. He's fighting a fever. If you, if you think Pastor Ryan, give him, uh, say a prayer for for. Recovery specifically from, from this fever, pray that uh, as he's going through treatment for cancer, the chemo would be effective, and, and pray, for, pray for Pastor Ryan these days. Thank you for that. And then after, after church today, every, every month, on the third Sunday of every month, we do a little lunch in the foyer for folks who are new to First Nance. So if you have just been attending for a short period of time and you'd like to know who do you think you are? On these third Sundays of the month, I try to tell people who I think we are. And so we get together in the foyer uh, right after. There's delicious lunch that will be prepared. Uh, and so I'd invite you to stick around and, and be a part of that. If you would just like to have an idea of what, what we think we're trying to do around here as a church. Well, this... Uh, this winter, what season is it? It's winter. This winter, I have been trying to ask some important questions. I'm asking questions that require answers. And so I looked at the question at the beginning of the year, does God exist? Last week, I asked the question, does God love me? This week, I'm asking a question. Honestly, I thought this one, I, I wrote some notes a long time ago. Like this sermon series, it came from a book. I got the idea of reading a book with our church board called Sticky Faith that is supposed to help churches help young people retain their faith when they move on from high school and from youth ministry in the church because we've noticed a lot of people, young people in the church, they, they transition out of, out of high school and, and 
into whatever comes next, whether it's college or a career or life, however life has taken them. And it can be hard for young people to retain their faith. And so this, this is a book that is just kind of walking with, with churches through that process of helping, helping churches help young people navigate that transition. It suggests a handful of questions that young people are asking. And I, I looked at the list of questions and I thought, well, I'm kind of still asking some of those questions and people tell me I'm not young anymore. And so I thought I would, uh, I'd just kind of dig into it. And, you know, I thought, does God exist? Like, that's kind of a hard one. And I'll be honest with you, that was probably the hardest sermon I have ever prepared. I did not like preparing that. And I was, I don't really get nervous to preach. I've just, I've done it enough now that I really don't find myself being very nervous. I was like nervous to talk about, does God exist? And I, I found myself I still am thinking like, oh man, I could have talked for another couple of hours on that one and still couldn't have said all that I would have liked to have said. And then last week I thought, you know, God loves me. Slam dunk, like so easy. And again, it, it proved to be a little more difficult than I thought. And I, I wish I could tell you more about how much God loves you because I don't think that I've said everything about how much God loves you that should be said because God loves you so much. And then this week, so this week's question is, is uh, am I living the life God wants? Am I living the life God wants? And I, you know, so I started planning months ago. I wrote some notes. I, I, I typed up some, like, some scriptures that I thought I would use for each sermon. And I thought, easy peasy, easy peasy. And then I got to, to Monday this week to really focus in on starting to, to write out what I was going to say here and I realized, boy, there's a lot of ways that we could take this question, am I living the life God wants? It's a, it's a pretty broad thing, because we could be talking about some very specific things in our lives, like we could be talking about your career. Am I living the life God wants in my career? Am I, do, am I working the right way? Or if you're a young person and you're looking forward to your career, am I, am I going to choose the right career? Or if you're in between careers or looking at, at a different career, like am I choosing, does God want this specific thing out of me? Or if, if you're not married, the question, does God want me to get married? Should I, should I be, be married? Or, or is God calling me to be single? Or if God's calling me to get married, who should I marry? Like, that's a big one, right? Like, and we kind of feel like, well, if we're going to live the life God wants, man, we really got to get that one answered pretty good, right? Like, we, we really want that one answered. And and then there's like questions like, how should I spend my money? Am I pleasing God? Am I living the life God wants? The way that I'm spending my money? Am, am I doing the right thing when I spend my money? Or when I spend my time? Like time is really valuable. Like to, am I spending my time well? Is God pleased with the way that I'm spending my time, my, my working time or my time off? Is, is this okay what I'm doing? Is God going to be okay with it? And, and it leads us to this question, is there, is there one path that I need to be following? And if I stray from that one path, like, is it, is it really narrow, this one path that God has for me? And if I stray from that in one step, like, what if just, like, I marry the wrong person and I get off the path and then I'm not on the path anymore and then I've blown it, right? And how do I ever get back on the path after I've made a big decision that that wasn't the right decision. And, and we have all of these questions about, it, 
is there really, does God really have just one, one specific way that I can please God? And I think there are some pretty strong opinions on that question. I think there's some pretty strong opinions. I think there are some people here who would say, absolutely, God has one path for me, and if I stray from that path at all, I'm in trouble. And then I would guess that there are a handful of people here who say, God has given me a buffet of options, and God has said, pick, and, uh, and God is, is going to be okay with, with whatever I pick. And then maybe there's like, in between those two extremes, there's kind of all over the place, right? Have you given us much thought? Have you ever considered, like, how, how can I live a life that God wants me to live? How can, I, how can I be sure that my life is pleasing to God? I'm going to give you just an opportunity to process out loud a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk to the person next to you about this question. If you, if you are with somebody and you see somebody that doesn't have people next to them right now, make sure you go grab somebody that's sitting alone uh, so that nobody, so everybody has an opportunity to process out loud a little bit. But I'm going to give you about two minutes to just process out loud and think about, is there really one path? Is there really one path or is, are there a buffet of options? Go ahead, discuss. Did you answer it? You got it? You got, you got the right answer? Okay. Well, text me, email me, come and talk to me. Let me know what the right answer is because I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to give you an answer if there's only one way or if there's multiple ways. I, I, I'm not quite sure. So that's one way we consider this question. Am I ple- living the life that pleasing to God? Am I living the life that God wants? Is, is to say, am I on the right path? Did I, did I choose the right career? Or am I going to choose the right career? Did I marry the right person? Or am I going to marry the right person? This is one way that we can answer the question. But then one of the ways that we can answer the question, and a way that I think Scripture becomes a lot more helpful, is when we consider like specific behaviors that God wants from us. You know, there, there are a lot of places you can go in Scripture to find specific behaviors that God wants for us. There's nowhere in the Bible, like I look, I read cover to cover, and I could not find anywhere where it said, Paul Clark, you should marry Alyssa White. And I think that was like a really good thing that God did in my life, frankly, like one of the best. And 
I couldn't find it in scripture, right? The Bible didn't point me to exactly that one thing. But if I'm looking for the Bible to give me, give me instruction about my life, man, I can find a lot about behavior. I can find a lot about the way that God wants me to, to act out in, in my life. Like, take for example, Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8 is a classic example of like religion. Uh, you know, in Micah 6, he's talking about does God want all of these sacrifices? Like, couldn't you give all these sacrifices to God? God and, and the prophet says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and what, uh, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what God wants. Uh, another passage that teaches us about some behavior that God wants from us. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, a passage that I, I love this passage. It's, it's one of my, like, tried to memorize it, tried to live by it. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells his church in Thessalonica, always be joyful. The version I have memorized is rejoice always. Always be joyful. Never stop praying be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Passages like this, and, and I could have gone to a hundred more passages that explain to us specific behavior that says, this is God's will. This is what God wants from you. Behave this way. Pray all the time. Always be thankful. Uh, do justice. Love mercy. These, these things point us from the Bible very clearly to a life that God wants for us. These very clearly point to a life that God wants for us. And through history, throughout history, Christianity has taught us that, you know, sometimes these behaviors really do help us grow closer to God. Sometimes being thankful really does draw us closer to God and really does help us understand who God is by, by simply being a grateful person, a life filled with gratitude Man, that's the life that God wants. In fact, our, our theological forefather, the person that we look back on as like the most important theologian in the history of us as a denomination is John Wesley. John Wesley, an incredible theologian, but more important to his contributing to the church was not just his theology, but what, what people sort of uh, mockingly called the method of, of Methodism. And, and John Wesley had these, these groups that would gather together on a weekly basis to ask one another about their behavior, to ask one another, how, how have you shown love to, to other people? How have you sinned? How, how have you, how you've shown that you are a Christian through, through your behavior? And, and so Wesley grabbed people together, pulled people together in these groups, and, and weekly they, they talked about how they were fulfilling the, the instructions that are found in Scripture. And I personally, I'll be honest, I personally have found incredible value in gathering with other people on a, on a weekly basis. We try on a, on a semi-regular basis, unfortunately, uh, but gathering to talk about how my life is reflecting what I, what I say I believe. How am I living out my faith the thing is, it's tempting. The, the temptation here that I think is a temptation we need to avoid is, is that we turn the gospel into behavior management. 
And we, we begin to, to think that the sum total of our Christian life is, is just about our behavior. The sum total of our Christian life then is like, did I lie? No, I'm a good Christian. I didn't lie. Or, yeah, I kind of stretched the truth at work because someone was going to be mad at me if I didn't just stretch the truth just a little bit. And so I'm probably not a very good Christian. Or we, we say, like, did I steal? No, I didn't steal. I'm a good Christian. Or, well, I shaved off a little bit that I should have given to somebody else. And I'm not a very good Christian. And we have some big ones, you know, like promiscuity. Like that's a big one. If, if you're promiscuous, you know, it, for some reason there's bigger sins than others. Um, and we say, and, and we make the, the Christian life just like the sum total of all these behaviors. Do we, do we live by these behaviors well or do we not live by these behaviors well? And I think that is a really unfortunate oversimplification of the gospel. Frankly, I, I think Jesus died on the cross for more than that. Jesus died on the cross to do more in your life than for you to just, like, not stretch the truth at work. I think, I think Jesus wants more from your life. There's a story that comes from early in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, I invited you to turn there, uh, where, where John the Baptist, John the Baptist tells, or lives out a life, I think he shows us how to live a life that pleases God, the life that God wants for him. So it's in John chapter 3. I'm going to read it for you. It's a little bit longer story. It's, uh, before I, I get into it, you'll catch via the context of the story, <clears throat> you'll catch that John has been baptizing people in the wilderness for a while, and he's already baptized Jesus. And when, when John baptized Jesus, he indicated that Jesus was the Messiah. And he told everybody, this is the Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for. And so you're going to catch that when, when I read. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, to read from John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36 now. I need a drink because my voice is going. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon, near Salim, because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. This is verse 25. Somebody study that and tell me what's going on there, because it's just like a total, total mystery. Just it's a it's a red herring in this, and I'm I'm just highlighting it. Sorry, I just can't help. I'm so fascinated when biblical authors just put in extraneous information, but it just doesn't go anywhere. So anyway, study that. Tell me what's going on. Verse twenty six. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Alyssa's not here to keep me on track. Yeah. So. John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. And John replied, 
No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth. We speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but, not, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hand. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Okay, so I think this passage gives us a, a glimpse into what God wants from our lives. I think this gives us a glimpse into the difference between a life that maybe is, is centered on God's will, on what God wants, versus a life that's kind of centered on not that, on, on not pursuing God's will and not pursuing what God wants for individuals. See, the baseline human experience, the uh, the, the life that we just kind of live on our, on our own is a life that's not particularly attuned to God. Uh, we, we talk about this idea that we are born into sin. We are born into a life, our, our hearts and our minds are just not considering God and what we do. We do what we want. We do what feels good to us. We do, we do things our own way. And, and so John has these disciples. John the Baptist has these disciples who are working with him in the wilderness to baptize people. John, John was out in the wilderness, and he was bigger than Jesus in those days. Like, he was, he was really popular. He was a big deal. And he, he had all these crowds coming to him to be baptized because they were repenting of their sins. So John was telling, come, be baptized, repent of your sins, you'll be cleansed in the water, and, and it was great, right? It was great. Can you imagine finding somebody that, like, everybody in the world wants to be around him and, and being close with him? John's disciples were like, my friend is John the Baptist. I know John the Baptist. He, he is, like, he and I, we eat meals together all the time. We hang out all the time. And everybody in Jerusalem is coming to Judea to see him. Like, everyone who has a spare minute is, like, going to see him. And remember, you know, this is a time before TV. This is a time before entertainments. And so, if there's, like, a wild preacher in the wilderness, this guy eating locusts and honey, people are going to go see. And it's, it, this was a spectacle. And so, John's disciples were riding this wave of just sort of incredible enthusiasm. It was like a kismet, like... Everything was going their way. Their friend, the person they were following, everybody in the world wanted to be around him. And suddenly Jesus comes along and, and John's disciples 
Verse 26 is just so classic. It's just so classically human. Like, it, I love it because it's like something I would say. It's just so classically human. John's disciples come to him and they say, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, he's also baptizing people. And now everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. <sighs> Isn't that just like, can't you just feel their emotion in that? They're just so disappointed. Like, disappointed isn't a strong enough word, right? Like, they, they were riding the wave of the most popular, like, this is the best Netflix series on right now. Like, John was Taylor Swift, and, and everybody wanted to be. Like, you couldn't buy tickets. It was... <laughs> It was so great to be with John, and suddenly his crowds are, are dwindling, and his followers are just like, John, what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? And, and so they go to him, and they say, like, dude, everybody's going to Jesus now. And they want G John to, like, do something, right? They want John to change his message. They, you know... John, what you were saying, all that good stuff you said about that guy, it was too much. You got to pull it back a little, John. Say some bad stuff about him, and then people will come back. And so John, John just like, he doesn't have any of it from his disciples. He, he has no interest in preserving his own popularity or his own crowd. John's like the one person in all of history who hasn't read his own press, right? John, John doesn't have any interest in, in shooting Jesus' star down. John, John doesn't have any interest in saying, it doesn't, it, it, don't go to Jesus. And in verse 30, we read from, from John, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less. Unless John reveals what I believe is, is a life that is destined to be the life God wants. His, his disciples want him to preserve his own legacy. His disciples say, John, you gotta, you gotta fight for yourself, man. You better speak up for yourself a little bit. And, and John says, my legacy doesn't matter. My, what people think of me, the crowds I draw, none of that stuff, none of that stuff matters. He needs to become greater and greater. I need to become less and less. We don't, we don't really deal with the temptation of, of celebrity in the way that John and his disciples were, were dealing with. We, we don't deal with, with like people coming to us in the wilderness and wanting us to baptize them. That's just not a, that's not everyday human existence. But what I hear in the disciples' worry, John's disciples' worry about John's legacy, is like this fame thing. The people coming to John, like that's kind of paying the bills right now. This is kind of the thing that we have given our lives to, John. 
we, John's disciples, just like Jesus' disciples, like, we've left home and family. We've, we've committed to this. We're, John, we're out living in the wilderness eating locusts with you, man. Like, we followed you because we thought you were going to be great. We kind of thought we were going to be something because of it. We don't, we don't deal with the same temptation to, to stardom, but we, we sure deal with some temptation towards self-preservation. When we realize that the disciples of John, they, were, they had a plan for their lives, and it involved John being great for quite a while. As soon as that plan appears to, to fall apart, the, the disciples of John say, well, it's got to be John." We gotta focus, we gotta get people back to John. We can't let people walk away from John. We we got we got all our eggs in this basket. We we gotta make sure this thing works. So they want John to do something, to do anything. We struggle with the same temptation towards self-preservation. We put it our eggs in, in lots of baskets. You know, we put, our, we put our trust in lots of things that we think are going to, to be what keeps us going, what sustains us, what gives us joy. We put our, our trust in, in lots of things that, that seem good and, and we want things to, to make us happy we kind of trust the things around us sometimes that those are the things that are going to be, be the things that make us happy. We, we have hopes for, for certain people acting certain ways. We, we trust that people are going to, going to help us. We have trust in ourselves to, to be strong enough to, to make it through, to to get ourselves to, to being happy, to, to the pleasure we want, to the legacy we want. John, John says, Jesus has to become greater and greater, and I'm, I'm going to have to become less and less. When we think about our own plans for how, how we're going to accomplish the goals that we set for ourselves, a, a, few, a few passages of Scripture remind us how to set goals. <laughs> Uh, I think of, of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, passage that I use a lot. It's one of the, the verses my girls and I say to each other a lot in the morning when we say a, a Bible verse before they go to school. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his ways in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Scripture reminds us, God... God wants us to have a listening ear. God wants us to, to be dependent on God. God wants us to be trusting God and not our own plans, not our, not our own way. But I don't think the expectation, I don't think the expectation is that we hit God's will perfectly in every circumstance. I'll be honest with you. I, I think we can make, all kinds of mistakes, and God can still bring something out of it. God's, God's hope for us is that we would trust God, that we would depend on God's understanding of things. But, 
God also tells us to make some choices. So I, I take Proverbs 16, verse 9 as, as another important verse for us in understanding the way that God wants us to live. Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can plan our ways, but the Lord determines our steps. I don't, I don't think that means that God protects us from every mistake we make, especially when we make a mistake because we're not listening to God. We, we pay some serious consequences occasionally for the mistakes we make. But I do think when I, when I put Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 16 together, I, I see that God is asking us to depend on God, asking us to trust in God's wisdom and to step forward in the best understanding of God's wisdom that we can. And, and God will place our steps. Another, another passage of scripture that points me to this kind of life is from Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul begins, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort in his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together in one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. As we read this, it could sound like this is one of the behavior passages, right? could sound like Paul is, is harping on behavior. He's saying it's, you know, don't, don't be selfish. Be Act, act in humble ways. But the, the next verse then puts us on track. He says in verse 5, you must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. You must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave himself, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I see it this way. I see it this way. Jesus didn't equate equality with God as something to be grasped. But, and you're a long ways down there. But, he emptied himself. He took the form of a slave. He became obedient, obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. And so, God exalted him. And he gave him a name that would be above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, that's Jesus' journey. When I think about my own journey, I think, you know, equality with God doesn't sound too bad. It doesn't seem bad to, to be like somebody that other people look up to. <laughs> It seemed too bad to be self-sufficient, to, to kind of be my own person. I, I hear about this way that God has for people. That way is kind of interesting. Let this be the same attitude as in Christ Jesus. Okay, I can have that attitude. And have that attitude. <sighs> but I really like my way. Really like this way. It's, it's a really nice way. I get, look how high I can get on this way. I have equality with God. Like, I can be way up here. I'm looking at, like, eye level. <sighs> What? I like it. Okay, it sounds nice. God's way sounds nice. We we live a lot of time here because we like this way. Like we like our own plans for ourselves, right? We like we like the way it makes us feel to be in charge. It feels really good. Like honestly, up here, this is a great view. Looking down on all of you. This is great. We really like this. Or, or we just, it's what we know, you know? Like, do not ask me. That is too far. No, thank you. It's what I know. It's safe right here. Look how safe I am. You couldn't get me off if you tried. I am safe here. I don't need to go anywhere else. John's disciples come to him and, and they say, aren't you going to preserve it a little bit more? Aren't you going to make it stay real strong? Okay, we heard you say that Jesus is the Messiah. That's okay. That's okay. We can, we can give a little bit of credence to Jesus stuff. And this is, this is maybe where you and I spend a lot of time. We're being being real honest. Like this, this is you know it feels okay. I mean, I like to go a little higher, but eh. the unfortunate reality is in, in this spot. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion in a life spent right right here. Am I am I really like? going to be okay, because this felt really stable, this, I mean, you could push me from here, do I really trust God's way for me, am I really, really willing, what the Apostle Paul tells, tells his readers in, in Philippians is, let this be the same attitude, 
let, let yourself have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. You're not going to become equal with God. But you're, God is going to take you, you know, it might be kind of scary sometimes. You might not know where it is. But uh, it's going to turn out to be better in that way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to turn out to be God's way for you. John says he's got to become more and more, greater and greater. I've got to become less and less. It's not just one, the only, the only way, right? Like there's, there might be some decisions I could make on this way. But it's, it's the way of trusting God, the way of depending on God's understanding that takes us to where God wants us to go. How do, how do we do that? Like day in and day out, what does, what does that look like? How, how do we make sure that we are, we are living the life that God wants? It goes back to some pretty simple practices, some ways of shaping our attitudes. It's about our attitude, right? It's about trusting, trusting that God can, can take us where God wants us to as we depend on God's way for us. Uh, scripture points frequently to this idea of praying about everything. God asks us to just ask. I don't, I don't know that God expects us to wait for an answer in every circumstance, but God wants us to talk to God about it. The Bible tells us in, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. God wants us to live with others who will point us in the right direction. Scripture tells us to listen, to listen for God's voice. And he will direct our steps. I think that's how we live the life that God wants. If we want to know, are we, am I living the life that God wants? I think we, we ask ourselves, how much am I listening for God's voice? How much am I depending on, on God's direction for me? How much am I trusting in him alone? So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to, to pray about those things. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, that you are always speaking to us. Lord, would, would you help us to understand the things that you're, you're inviting us to step away from? God, we, we trust in so many things. God, we, we need, like, we, we trust in so many things that we think are going to, to save us. And we recognize that Jesus is the only one who, who will save us. And that having the attitude of Christ in us is, is the way that we can please God with our lives. And so, Lord, would you fill us with the attitude of Christ?
Would you help us, Lord, to become less and less so that Jesus can become greater and greater? Would you remind us this week, as we, as we go into a busy week, it's, the year has started in earnest, life is, is full steam ahead now. Lord, we, we're going to be tempted to just like go our own way. We're going to be tempted to go the way we like. We're going to be tempted to do the things that, that please us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, you would just help us, God. Help us to bring everything before you in prayer. Remind us frequently of, of the wisdom that can be found in a multitude of wise voices speaking into our lives. Don't let us walk alone, Lord. Help us, God, to, to walk with brothers and sisters who will point us to yourself. And Lord, help us to, to have ears to hear. Uh, that, that's, that's real hard for us. Um, we, we tend to hear what we want to hear. <laughs> it's selective hearing. And so God, would you, would you help our ears to be open, to hear your voice, to hear what you have to say to us? It's particularly hard God, when you don't just confirm our opinions. And so, God, speak clearly, I pray. Be with these, my dear brothers and sisters. Help them to find hope and comfort in your will for them. And walk with them through this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand with me? As you go, let me just remind you of, of the simple phrase from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. Have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. God bless you as you go. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.